0: What you're about to listen to is a new weekly podcast we're doing here at BSN Denver. If you enjoy it, be sure to subscribe to the Denver Sports Podcast feed. Let's start the show.
1: Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey
2: breaking through.
3: Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landisgar. He has done
4: it again. Miller, ladies and gentlemen, Dom Two Hands, Nikola Jokic, saved me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh goodness gracious me!
1: Take a good luck. you will see it long. Two-run home run, Trevor Story, touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, got it all, oh, man! That's from way down.
0: giving up 21 runs on Monday are the wheels falling off for the Rockies we'll be discussing that and more in the Denver sports podcast I'm your host Ali Monroy and with me today is BSN Rockies beat writer Drew Creaseman BSN Nuggets beat writer Harrison Wind BSN Avalanche beat writer AJ Haefeli and finally BSN Broncos beat writer Ryan Koningsberg. welcome to the show guys
4: why was I last
0: because you're sitting to my left. <laughs> all
4: right, fair enough, fair enough. Just because you're on TV now, you don't have the clout to just demand <laughs> to go first here. She's I just, feel like I do. She's just saving best for last, bro. Just calm down.
3: All right,
2: all right. I'll take oh uh, Thank you. I'll take
3: that. I'll take that and run with it.
0: All right, guys. So we have some of the brightest guys in Denver sports media working at BSN, and we always have such great conversations when we're all together. So we thought, why not start a podcast? It's
3: a good idea. Why not? Russell
4: Westbrook, Why not? <laughs>
3: And that's why we decided to call it the Denver Sports Podcast, because it's not just a Denver Sports Podcast or the Denver Sports Podcast. When you get this group of folks together, it's the Denver Sports
2: Podcast. Should I change my name from AJ to VJ? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be great.
3: Sounds a little too close to VJ, and that? <laughs> oh, that—that's yeah, not that's a good connotation in Denver. That's true.
0: Ryan was really, really excited about the Denver Sports Podcast, so be sure to call it the.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like Ohio State. I was going to say, do we have the lowercase T in front of it we abbreviate it? Yeah, you have to, like, make sure that you put the T
4: D. You can't dot the I. You got to cross the
3: T. Yeah, (laughs) TDSP, the Denver Sports Podcast. Don't get it twisted.
0: All right, well, we're going to start each show with the biggest news item of the week, and today that would be the Rockies dropping three of their last four games against opponents under 500. Drew, is the season beginning to take a turn for the worse?
1: Well, the easy answer to that question is obviously yes. Uh, This is bad. This is incredibly bad. Uh, Not only that, they lost their final six games going into the All-Star break. Nothing about this feels good. But what amazes me, Allie, is somehow... They managed to gain a half a game in the wild card standings over this last week. They actually beat the Reds in that series. Didn't feel like it, giving up 17 runs in that one game. But yes, this, they're in a bad spot, but they were in a worse spot this time a year ago. This is a more talented team, but I'll tell you what. I was more confident this time a year ago in the Rockies because they were pitching well. And that's the, the difference right now when they're going out there. and I, I don't think we're going to see that again from Hermen Marquez, but when your best dude is giving up 11 runs, when you have no idea what you're going to get out of Kyle Freeland or really anybody but John Gray, like, yes, they're talented enough to turn it around, but will they? I have, I have no idea. I have no reason to believe that that's the case. So we're back to John Gray being an ace. <laughs> don't just, just don't put that on him. <laughs> just don't call him that. Maybe that word just needs to go away for a while.
2: I feel like we've seen this Rockies team 10 different times. It's a 500 club with a good offense and bad pitching. Um, and I'm like,
1: "Oh, Okay. tradition. Right. Exactly.
2: And it's like, okay, we're getting into late July and then we'll get into August. The wheels will fall off the bus and
4: everybody will start paying attention to something else. Well, my biggest question for Drew is what the heck happened to the pitching? What's the biggest difference from last year to this year?
1: Right. Because that's what's crazy. It's the same group of guys. Right. For the most part. And, And that's what I think a lot of it is. There's a huge combination of things. One is there's a book out now on Marquez and Freeland. And the league is adjusted. There's are still young players who are trying to figure out a way to adjust back. Marquez has been able to get away with more stuff because his stuff is naturally better. he throws like 98, you know, you're going to get away with some mistakes. Where Freeland doesn't have that, his mistakes are just getting hammered. Uh, but I, I, I think they need to make the adjustments. It's just taken them a long time to do that. That in combination with the fact that Yes, the baseballs are different this year. They're flying out everywhere, so that's going to hurt anyone who's struggling at all. If your command is off just a little bit, you're not just giving up singles and doubles. You're giving up home runs. Games can get out of hand the way they have been. So on top of them actually struggling, and that's going to hurt you more at Coors Field. They have the third best ERA in the National League on the road. Good Hmm. for them. Right. But it it doesn't mean a whole lot right now, but what's their road record? It's decent. I don't have it right in front of me, but it's pretty yeah. good. They're j- But they're getting killed at home because every single little mistake is, is exacerbated that much more, and they're making a lot of mistakes.
4: Maybe they should raise the fences again. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> just raise them like 20 feet higher. Right.
0: I also think it's not just the starting pitching. I mean, the bullpen has struggled except Scott Oberg.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and well, that and that's the other crazy thing is for all I can talk about the juiced baseballs and Coors Field and all this stuff, I just I've got an article coming out here in a minute on John Gray and his three twenty four ERA at Coors Field, and Scott Oberg and his two zero ERA on the season. Came in the other night, pitched two innings, was lights out. So if you pitch well, none of that stuff matters. So at the end of the day, yeah, they just all of them except for those two guys, literally those two guys everyone else is pitching very poorly
3: you have to be careful saying he has a 324 era because with some of the other pitchers they might literally have a 324 right ERA. <laughs> yeah, yeah clarify <clears throat> is there anything they can do though? like in terms of the baseballs mm. obviously they're juiced they have restructured them or whatever like there's like people joking on twitter like turn up the humidor
4: like yeah they're like, do like they, a double humidor right yeah. do they
3: have the like uh like like cabo
1: in august setting on the humidor i know that and that's the joke and it's like for me it's just they got to go back to the old baseballs and re- remember harrison when the nba did this oh, there's like a half a season everyone said no we are not doing this anymore they went back to the old ball but in baseball there's something where it's like everyone's kind of afraid to just come out publicly and say yes of course the baseballs are different and it's having an impact I think I heard last night on the radio. Now, they said this if they were wrong. I'm, I'm quoting Jack and Jerry now. But that baseball is on record to smash by a 1,000 the home run record across all of baseball. Like, it's not a subtle difference here. And, I mean, the frustrating
3: thing, though, is you watched the Giants yesterday, and they're just, like, smacking it all over the park. Yeah. Like, every time there's a pitch up, it's going to right field. Like, every time they get it inside, it's over the fence and left. And then the Rockies are putting up two runs. It's like right. two two solo shots. Like, what? How does the offense at Coors put up? What is it? Three runs and three runs in two games in one day.
1: Right. I mean, part of that I do think was the fact that they had to play four baseball games in the span of forty eight hours, a three hour delay going into the weekend, finishing a game at well after midnight, uh, and just they, they've been exhausted. Then having to play a doubleheader, a day game the next day, then a doubleheader the day after that. Uh, I think some of that is, is going on with the offense. Some of it is just the Giants threw out some decent pitching as well, again proving the point that if you pitch well enough, you can tame it to an extent. But I, I think the offense is going to be okay, but I think the whole thing has just permeated the entire team all of this chaos it just gets exhausting losing games where you give up 10 runs in two innings to the red stuff like that and so i think mentally they're exhausted you're seeing weird mistakes like hampson falling down or that weird thing where ian desmond got called out for taking a slight turn to second base like when and you guys know this across all the sports the, the old you know momentum or the good luck, uh, fortune favors the bold. When you're playing well, you're getting the calls. You're When you're playing confident, those little things in games are going your way. And nobody on the Rockies is playing confident. So, Garrett Hampson falls down or an error is made at the absolute worst time. Your center fielder falls over. Wait, what happened when Garrett Hampson
4: fell down? Because I I missed this
1: one. I think it was
0: because of the rain. Wasn't it just
1: slippery? It was just slippery out there. And instead of scoring the first run of the game relatively easily, he fell down halfway between third base and home. Had to scramble back, couldn't get back to third base, made an out there. And then two innings later made another out at third base. Those are the kinds of things that in any sport that kill you, when you're just not playing confident, when it feels like everything's going against you.
0: Well, moving on to the future, the trade deadline is coming up at the end of July. Do you think, Drew, the Rockies will be buyers or sellers?
1: That's really the ultimate question What's crazy is I think that's going to be determined here in the next couple of weeks. I don't think they know. And there's a lot of interesting ways they could go both ways. They're, they're not going to get huge. They're not going to sell off. I've seen some people talking about Charlie Blackman. That's very, very unlikely just because I don't think you're going to get a huge haul of prospects for Charlie Blackman. If they continue to spiral out of control here, I think you could see a move some, some of their relievers particularly to get out from under those contracts. Those guys are going to value Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, even Jake McGee. You might not be super thrilled with any of those players, but they actually will <laughs> across baseball get you – Value. Those guys have value for teams that need to shore up, even if it's going to be their sixth reliever. Uh, So something like that. Uh, Or they could get even a little more creative, maybe move Ian Desmond, maybe move Daniel Murphy, get some prospects for those guys because they know that their future is more likely to be Ryan McMahon and Brandon Rogers or Ryan Maltapia and David Dahl than it is to be them, and they can get some of that money and and spend on free agents to reload for next year. Because they're not going to sell. You're selling Charlie Blackman. Now you've got a problem for the next couple of years you have to solve. You just want to solve one problem for next season.
4: Man, if they could have moved Ian Desmond, they should have done that yesterday.
0: I think a lot of <laughs> for for fans literally would anything for like
4: one? a <laughs> bag of baseballs. I don't care if they've been <laughs> in the humidor or not. Just move them.
1: I mean, they they could. He's he's having a really good season. Uh, he's over the worst part of his contract. I know people think of the contract as being really terrible, but it was pretty front loaded. Right now, mm. it's it's not that bad. It's still not. He's still overpaid. I think it's like fourteen million. But it's it, it, you could get something for him even at this point.
3: And at that point. I mean, you have outfielders. It's not like you know you're you're like who are we gonna put in that space? First of all, Ian Desmond is not having the best season out there in center field, but like you can throw out Tapia, who actually suddenly is a good defender. Um, Is that the like? Can that be the mindset of okay, well we can sell off some of these guys because well you can you can sell off Murphy. You just put McMahon at first, bring back Rogers, put him at second. Like in the end, that it's not even the worst.
1: Idea. Exactly. Like, I've even discussed before just on the Rockies podcast about how they could do both and should honestly consider it like they they need to restock their farm system a little bit and they could move some guys out that they don't even necessarily take a huge like Harrison saying you don't feel like you're taking a huge step backward if you trade Ian Desmond and you give all of his at-bats to Ryan Altapia you're not feeling terrible about that even for the rest of the season and then you can add some prospects maybe then you don't feel terrible about about moving Colton Welker for a reliever who's going to come in and shore up the bullpen stabilize a team that's still two games out of the wild card. With every opportunity, no one's running away with the National League, it's just brutal out there. Well, I mean, the Dodgers are running away with the National <laughs> League. After that, it's a free-for-all.
0: Well, besides the Rockies' recent struggles, it's actually a really exciting time to be a Denver sports fan, and we'll get into why after the break. Hyper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market.
1: We believe
3: Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers.
0: That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them.
3: Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them.
0: From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. The next thing I want to talk to you guys about is how each and every team has such exciting young prospects and the future looks really, really bright in Denver sports. There are a lot of candidates for this, but let's start with you, AJ.
2: Well I mean Kilmakar is the most exciting prospect in all of all of Colorado sports and I don't think it's particularly close. So is that is that
3: what we're doing here? <laughs> who has who which team has the most exciting prospect?
2: Well, I mean, Kale McCarr is gonna be. I mean, he's got he's got the it factor. He's also gonna be better than all the other guys that are go- about to get named. So, especially whoever you come up with for the Broncos, <laughs> uh, it's it's McCarr, and it's it's honestly not even close. The only one I'm worried about is Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> does, Kale,
4: does Kale McCarr have top ten player in the league potential?
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. he absolutely does. What's uh, his?
3: What's his wh- Give us give us a comparison. Who's this? What's his Eric ceiling? Carlson okay.
2: a, in his prime before Eric Carlson's feet needed to be cut off, like they have been, and he got bionic feet like he has now. Um, I have no idea if you're being serious. No, he he's got. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. It's it's a crazy story. Um, legal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, you know, he just, he just <laughs> got paid. So, um, no, Kel McCarr is the man. Uh, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be the McKinnon of defense for them. And McKinnon came awfully close to winning MVP. McCarr is probably going to be in a Norris converse, conversation as the league's best defenseman in the next two or three years.
3: The only follow-up I have is how how soon are we talking here?
2: The next two or three years. But like, like it'll start this year. He'll be he'll be in the Calder contention for top rookie this season, this next season. Um, it'll be tough because he's a defenseman. And it's just it's hard scoring wise to keep up with those guys. Uh, but. He'll be he'll be on Colorado's top pairing sooner than later. He might. I mean, he might even opening night. He might be on their top pairing.
0: All right, I have a question. It's a little off topic, but is it true that the Pepsi Center has banned kale?
2: I don't. I don't actually know. Uh, I know they were like, talking about it. Are you serious? <laughs> I know they talked about it. We're talking about the it's all because of pairing.
0: Ryan's Ryan's tweet. Yeah, that went viral.
2: The is kale it, guy.
3: Like, am I am I in trouble? Is that a bad thing, or is it just like okay that like you can't bring kale? To, like. Do we need that?
4: <laughs> <laughs> the thing we need. I mean, well, the Red Wings fans have
0: their thing. I think yeah. this should be a cool Avs yeah. thing.
4: I think something Kale McCarr has going for him is he has a great name. Like he, yeah. y- to be okay. a star, you kind of need a great name. Totally. Kale so McCarr is a superstar type name. Yeah. Not like the guy no, the abs ju- not not like the guy that abs just drafted in the first round with that really weird name. That oh, Bo that that Byram? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah,
2: I I, I like I like Bo Byron, but I think. Uh, uh, people are gonna stumble over it. Kill McCarr just right. rolls off the tongue, oh and you're yeah. just like, "There's sex appeal there." Can you go oh. by
3: Bobai though?
2: He it's does like, go by Bo. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's doable. So going, calling him Bo instead of Bowen all the time is gonna make it easier. It's such a WHL name.
0: All right. Well, Harrison, let's. <laughs> <laughs> AJ kind of talked about Michael Porter Jr. So let's move on to the Nuggets. Do yeah, I'm you gonna go agree? with Vlaco
4: Vlaco Chanchar. Yeah.
3: Winner, hands
4: down. No, I mean, if, if you're looking for a guy in the Nuggets that's the best prospect in Colorado sports, it's probably got to be Michael Porter Jr. And based on what people are saying within the organization right now, he looks to them like the guy that they scouted and evaluated in high school before these injuries really cropped up. And back then, he was a consensus top-two prospect in high school basketball, you know, thought of as arguably the top guy You know, on the prep circuit. And, and he was looked at back then as a transcendent-type talent, a guy who could come into the league and you know be that all-star, all-NBA-level player. So if he's the guy that we're hearing that he looks like behind the scenes, and I know he just had an injury, but uh, if he is that guy, then I think he can definitely be you know the top prospect here.
3: I think the natural follow-up is where are you on the MPJ panic scale with the injuries? Because I'm at about like an eight.
4: I'm much lower than that. Um, I don't think the knee injury is a big deal. And, uh, I mean, I do think like every injury is connected and it probably you know had something to do with the back injuries and just like his body, you know, it isn't fully healthy and there could be other stuff that crops up, but the, the knee injury, honestly, it maybe rose my panic meter a little bit, but it didn't like set it off to extreme heights, I'd say.
0: What was the vibe at Summer League after Nuggets fans found out that MPJ wasn't going to be playing? I mean, that game was sold out.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was sold out probably more because of Zion, Zion, for sure. But, I mean, my excitement level for Summer League went down quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. he, he was the story, like, and he was probably going to be the second – like, most attractive guy there after Zion. And, and then... we are talking uh, looks or... Well, uh, he probably was the He's most attractive guy. I mean, Porter looks like a freaking model. That's but that that plays <laughs> into the superstar conversation. For sure. For sure. He's got a good name. He's got sex appeal as well.
1: Now, hold on. Now, if we're going down that path, there's not a more handsome team in the league than the Colorado Rockies, just so everyone knows. Doesn't have you I, been I, in the Avs locker room, bro? Uh, not, yeah. oh, it's a bunch of beautiful, blonde Swedish uh, people. How many teeth do they have at this point? Bro? Most of most. <laughs>
2: If we get rid of Eric Johnson, <laughs> the majority of the roster is is well toothed. Hey, soft, some people soft. are
0: into <laughs> the one tooth type of guy, <laughs> the one front tooth.
4: No, but the the last thing I'll say about Porter, and AJ was talking about ETA for Kale McCarr. I was talking with Michael Malone in Las Vegas, and he told me that he fully expects Porter to be a part of their opening night rotation next season. So if we're talking ETA I think we'll see it, you know, beginning next season. I'm not saying he's going to play 30 minutes a game, but, you no, know, he'll be on the court. We'll see what he's got.
0: I know, Ryan, you're really excited to talk about your pick, but we're going to move on to Drew first before you. Fair so, enough. Drew, who do you think?
1: Okay, so here's why Brendan Rogers is the best prospect in Denver. He's the best prospect the Colorado Rockies have ever had. And I know a lot of times with baseball prospects, because Ooh. they take half a decade to get there, people feel like – and then they arrive at 22, and they don't look super awesome in the first two weeks of their MLB career, and people go, ah, this guy doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. But – Let's understand that Brendan Rodgers has had a much better minor league career, much better scouting reports throughout the minor leagues than David Dahl, Trevor Story, Altapia, Kyle Freeland, John Gray. That's a long list of really good baseball players. Particularly, I would draw attention to Trevor's story, who had a very rocky minor league career, who wasn't expected was to be. it. that a pun? The, yeah, hey, hey, hey. You know, yeah, uh, it, it could have been nutty either because actually the, the terrible year he had was out in Modesto. So, should have yeah. been, been chubby. Could have been, oh, <laughs> let's not even, uh, <laughs> oh, my hometown. He's got blocked. <laughs> I did indeed. Uh, but Brendan Rogers has better peripherals, better potential than all of those guys. He's a really good defender. He's got extraordinary pop. I was incredibly impressed with the way he stepped up to the big league level and didn't look overmatched at such a young age. Uh, He's missed some time with injuries, kind of like Michael Porter Jr. That's really the only big question mark about him right now. He's had a little bit of trouble staying out there on the field. But this guy has all of the potential to be – an all-star shortstop in Major League Baseball. And that's a very difficult thing to do. That's one of the most valuable guys you can have.
3: How do I, like, stop myself, though, from reading into the numbers when he came up, reading into the fact that the pop wasn't there when he was up in the big leagues? Like, it's the same thing as, like, my Michael Porter Jr. panic meter. It's like, okay, I, I was hoping he would just come up, light the world on fire, like, you know. Because do do that. Take this Rocky team along, but, like, how do you like? What are you? What are you looking at? That's saying like, eh? Don't worry about that.
1: Yeah, a lot of it's just you know the at bats that he's putting together. He's not swinging at balls and looking at strikes. He's he's got a good sense of the strike zone. That's one of the hardest things to do as a young player. You got to adjust to the fact that guys at the big leagues are they're throwing ninety eight and it's got movement. You don't see that in the minor league level. There's no replacement for seeing major league pitching. It takes time to adjust. Even guys who burst out of the gates the way Trevor Story did his second year his first three or four months were awful he was striking out 35 percent of the time sitting on a 220 batting average next year he's in the running for MVP it takes a minute to adjust so you got to watch each of those individual at bats and see if he's hanging in there against the best in the world and to my eyes Brendan Rodgers is is hanging in there at 22 which means at 23 he could really take off
0: I agree I think age has such a big part of it I mean the guy's 22. He needs time to mature, be in the league a little bit. You can't just expect football's a little different, but you can't just expect so much productivity from a guy who's 22 years old who needs to get used to the, the position he's in.
4: When did Troy Tulowitzki kind of ascend to all-star status? How old was he? Uh, well, I, I think so he was also made of the his, year yeah,
1: he was a rookie of the year candidate. I, uh, I believe also at 22 years old, he hit 20 something home runs that year, tying Ernie Banks for rookie record, mm-hmm. lost out to Ryan Braun. He had a down <sighs> year the next year. He, yeah, I know. Right. Cheater. he well, That yeah. was a crime. Yeah. Uh, and, and has like 17 defensive errors that Ryan mm-hmm. Braun made that year and Troy Tulowitzki get maybe the best defensive season in the history of major league baseball <laughs> 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 meanwhile matt holiday got robbed for mvp as well <laughs> oh, 2007 <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, we're gonna do this Jimmy Rollins. <laughs> uh, yes. but and then he got really hurt the next year right. Uh, right right and then after that i think he was just all-star level mm-hmm. from then on until he was broken
2: how much of how much does rogers lose his value when he has to move over to second
1: base because trevor story is an all-star that that's going to be interesting because that could play up for him or it could play down. If he can if his power numbers translate and he becomes a 25 home run guy at the big league level and he can get that slick defense over at second base that he's shown at shortstop, then that really plays up for you cuz now you're middle of the infield. Is gonna hit sixty home runs for you. Well, and then but, you have Nolan at third. Right. I mean, you almost don't care who plays at first. Exactly. And That's then what the Rockies Mc-
3: have been saying for years, yeah. They don't <laughs> care who's playing at first ever since Todd Helton left.
1: And it's gonna be Ryan McMahon because Daniel Murphy clearly is is past his athletic prime. Whenever that was,
3: <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <But> he's <laughs> just entering his dancing prime. <laughs> he's
1: so- uh, but Ryan McMahon is, is your first baseman in the future, and that's a really athletic, really good defense. And that's a an infield that could hit just an absurd amount of home runs.
2: When you're talking about in our in our conversation here, though, we're talking about the most valuable of the young players. You know, McCarr is a number one defenseman, which is one of the hardest things in all of hockey to find. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a he could be a do everything like he could be a number one like a, like option. a Kevin Durant clone. Sure. sure. You know, Brendan Rodgers, I feel like there's a step below there, even if he has a high – even if he's Jeff Kent, like you and I have talked about, you know, he's he's as high an offensive ceiling second baseman as there is. He's still
1: a second baseman at that point because Story is as good as he is. What's interesting about that is that – and this is just a weird time we're in in baseball right now – there's a real – dearth of talent at second base yeah. across the league I think Cattel Marte started for the <laughs> National League at second base uh, in the all-star game that's it's not a deep position right now a lot of the best talent in the league uh, Manny Machado uh, some of these guys playing in shortstop in third base a lot of the you know Josh yeah. Donaldson's and across the world and, and obviously Arenado and and Matt Chapman where even you want to go to the AL so oddly enough he might bring more value at a position of need at second
0: all right. Well, for the Broncos, Ryan, who do you are who are you most excited for on the team as a young prospect?
1: Drew, do, we, do you want to <laughs> no, say something? You, no, no I'm just up, very curious to see. I'm just <coughs> very into what this answer is going to be. So
3: I think the answer that would give me the the, the easiest competition here in terms of having a guy that has already proven something, it would be Philip Lindsay. Like Philip Lindsay is that level of of superstar in the city. And he has the hometown thing, which gives him a boost. But that's not who I'm going with because there's a guy who is on the Broncos right now who easily has the most superstar potential of anyone in the city, and it's Drew Locke. Because he is a quarterback of the Denver Broncos. If he pans out, if he can become, you know, a Patrick Mahomes-esque level player with that arm and the athleticism, if he becomes a plus starter. At quarterback for the Denver Broncos he's going to be the biggest name in the city so he's of all the people we've talked about he's probably proved the less the least of anyone he doesn't have anything yet we haven't even seen a training camp practice from him but if he pans out he will be the biggest superstar
1: of any of those guys all in favor of Drew being the biggest name in the city but <laughs> I mean, how many times have we heard this one before? How many biggest names in the city? How many? Oh, this guy looks like he's gonna—he's about to take over Denver because he's the the being the the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Yes, it, the potential is there, but isn't the gigantic target that is put on you not only by, of course, everybody else in the league, but by? The fans, the expectations, the need for winning football in this town. Like, he's definitely under more pressure than anyone else we've talked about. He has also the least amount of pedigree. Forty guys were taken before him in the draft
2: Mm -hmm. at the most important single position in sports. And there's 32 NFL teams, and every single one of them said no before one of them had to turn around and say yes on a third try. So, you know, there's, there's the least amount of pedigree there. McCarr was fourth overall. Porter Jr. would have been a top-two pick. Had he been healthy. Rodgers is third overall. We're talking about legitimate superstar potentials, and a dude who just lit up the SEC at Missouri isn't irrelevant. But, I mean, the quarterback is the ceiling, but I don't think Locke has it.
3: Well, the thing is is he has the lowest floor for sure of all these guys, except MPJ with the injuries. Right. I
4: mean, MPJ has a floor that probably means, like, never, never play in an NBA game.
3: Yeah. So, I guess his floor is a little higher than that. Probably. But to me – the opportunity, I mean, he could he could technically be the first great quarterback the Broncos ever drafted, which is crazy to say, and, and definitely goes against him. If no love for Tommy Maddox, huh? Yeah, no. John Elway doesn't have any love for Tommy <laughs> Maddox either. He, <laughs> took, he took a shot at him in the pre-draft press conference. So I just think with Locke, you see the talent. You see that stuff. They're trying to take the pressure off of him, like you said, Drew, by giving him this Red shirt year maybe even two red shirt years before they're gonna ask him to be the guy. He has a long way to go He does have the the least pedigree here I mean, I, you know, you could even go with Bradley Chubb as a guy who has that potential but for me Chubbs. if if <laughs> Drew Locke Becomes the starting quarterback for the Broncos if he can be Jay Cutler, which I thought that was my main comp for him coming out if he can be at that level and not get traded away by a psycho head coach
2: He's going to be the
3: biggest superstar in this town.
2: You mean if he's an eight and eight quarterback? <laughs> if he's an eight and eight quarterback, and MPJ is over here right, leading well, the Nuggets to to an NBA Finals or McCarville's? The, McCarr the, wins the a argument Norris. that Ryan's you,
4: making isn't because Drew Locke is going to be good necessarily. Please. It's just because he's on the Broncos. Well, it's because he's got the highest Ooh. profile
2: position on the highest profile exactly. team. exactly. He, yeah, he's the least talented guy that we're talking about at this table right now in his respective job, but.
3: The ceiling is there. And I also – I think if Jay Keller would have stayed and Mike Shanahan and that all would have worked out, I think he would have been much better than he ended up in Chicago. But to me, Locke has that position. He also has the talent. He's not a blue chipper kind of as those other guys are, but he mm-hmm. is – he has the ceiling of mm-hmm. those type of guys. He has you know, Aaron Rodgers' ceiling, Patrick Mahomes' ceiling. If he can get there, it's, it's game over for all the other guys. What's yeah. Drew
4: Locke's ETA? Are we talking, ma- man, maybe if the Broncos really suck next year, there's going to be some pressure to throw him out there second half of the season? Or do you think the this earliest year? we see him is, like, after this year?
0: How many losses do you think the Broncos have to have?
3: I, I think the, the range for Drew Locke is wild. It could be week seven of this year, and it could be
4: week one of 2021. I think it's going to be week seven of this year so who's is, is
2: rogers the last quarterback to to sit for multiple years and be successful
3: probably because uh,
2: obviously Mahomes Mahomes just, one year. just the one year but i'm saying multiple years we're like because the way they're talking you know and with the way elway conducts business like that that could be a dude that's sitting for a while whereas all these other cats that we're talking about here are gonna they're playing
3: that could be a positive in his favor though um, not necessarily in this comp- uh, conversation of who's going to be a superstar
2: first. It's weird because he's the oldest already, and now he's going to sit the longest, and I'm supposed to buy that this is the brightest prospect that they have to offer.
3: But you you have to look at the position. I mean, he has the sure. div- he has the advantage, because it's not only just in Denver where the Broncos hold the highest profile. It's the NFL. Yeah, of course. Where Patrick Mahomes went from prospect to the you know biggest superstar in sports yeah. in a matter of weeks. So. the the rise there could be really quick it's the best part about this is that there's all this competition because in the end it's the best for denver sports if all of these guys pan out and if they all do drew lock is going to be the biggest superstar
1: yeah, yeah, he'll definitely be the most tweeted about the first six weeks of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. like, And and we just experienced this with Brendan Rodgers, right, that they, it's like you were saying, the longer he sits on the bench, if the team is struggling, it's always easy to love you when you're not playing. And it's, all, it's always easy when there are guys out there who are struggling. All we heard for the first several weeks of the season when the Rockies weren't hitting, where's, where's Brendan Rodgers? Give me that Brendan Rodgers. I'm going to need some of that, especially because he's in like 400 and AAA or whatever. So when you just got like practice film to look at or, you know, it, him torching in college and you're like, man, yeah. And there, so he, he will be the most tweeted a name in Denver sports if the Broncos struggle. You guys are sleeping <laughs> on Joe Flacco. <laughs> what, what I think is interesting I'm about. I'm
4: very asleep on Joe Flacco.
1: <laughs> there, there's nap
2: taking. All these different sports is that when young guys can play, teams play them. Yeah. And the Broncos are actively looking for reasons not mm-hmm. to play Drew Locke right now because mm-hmm. there's the the Paxton Lynch PTSD is like so real that they're like.
4: Well, it's because the Broncos. No, 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 no. no. It's can't play him. because the Broncos will never go into that full-on rebuild. Right. Yeah, well, they, always they won't yeah. let it exactly. Yeah. They want to win. And Joe Flacco probably gives them a much better chance to win than Drew Locke does right now. At least I would certainly hope so.
3: If you I mean, if you watch these guys practice, Joe Flacco looks like an 11 year veteran and the right. other guys out there look like rookies. Right.
0: All right, well, we can talk about this for hours, so we're going to wrap it up. But we want to hear what you guys think. Be sure to comment on our website, bsndumber.com, or tweet at us. Um, We have a really fun segment coming up after the break, so be sure to stick around. Hey, guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses and Weinster is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that I don't really know much about wine and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Weinster, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And wine is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about wine is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. This next segment is called Who Won the Week? We'll be having each of you guys give your opinion on which Denver athlete or team deserves the biggest spotlight of the week. I'm going to time you so you'll have 90 seconds to state your case, and then the rest of the guys get to poke holes in your statement. So
4: I'm excited to hear what Drew says. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Didn't you, know. did you hear
4: I'm they won <laughs> the series against the Reds? <laughs> yeah. Gained a half game in the wild card. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm really excited to see how you guys are going to fit this into 90 seconds after all the conversations we've already had. So, Arison, let's start with you. I'm going to time you. Ready, set, go. All
4: right. The Nuggets won the week because they made one of the more underrated moves of the offseason that people look back on in four or five months when the playoffs are starting and say, man, that was one of the best moves of the offseason because acquiring Jeremy Grant is just an absolute home run for Denver. It's not going to come with the same fanfare and the same, you know, pomp and circumstance that Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers or Paul George to the Clippers or Anthony Davis to the Lakers will. But I mean, he's just the perfect fit in Denver and they didn't sacrifice any long-term financial flexibility by acquiring him, but he's also a guy they want for their future. He, He fits in what they want to do on the offensive end of the floor. He's the perfect fit next to a Nikola Jokic on the defensive end of the floor. He's a great locker room guy. He's a hard worker who comes from great pedigree. He's from a basketball family. His dad played in the league. I mean, this guy seems like he should have been drafted by, like, the Denver Nuggets. He's just going to fit in seamlessly, doesn't have an ego, and he's going to play a lot. And he's freaking good, too. I felt like he's one of the more underrated guys in the league for a while in Oklahoma City, getting overshadowed by Westbrook and George there. And I think he's going to help the Nuggets potentially win the West next year.
0: You still got 10 seconds. Are you done? I'm done. Mike drop. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I
4: use some of his time to to be in support of
2: that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go yeah ahead. Just, go it's like, I don't want to argue just, about this. <laughs> just cool. because I think I think Grant does more to help the Nuggets get closer to winning the West than say trading for Westbrook did for the Rockets. Um, it, I think it's just a, a perfect fit and it sets up the Paul Millsap succession plan. Exactly. Like they could they could switch salaries next year those two guys and it would be it would be fine if they wanted to keep both but if they wanted to let Millsap go, now they don't have to worry about replacing him because they already did with Grant, and it cost them the twenty seventh pick or whatever it ends up being. Like right. it's it's gonna it was it was such a steal for them.
4: Well, and that's definitely the vibe you get that he's gonna be here for a while. Yeah. even if Millsap is still here, mm-hmm. you're right. There is that succession plan in place now. Like how big can the young core get? The young core now is just the entire roster. It's like 12 dudes. And he's he's on the same timeline age-wise as as pretty much everybody. And that's, I guess, the thing you worry about potentially next summer. The free agent class next year sucks, and he could be a free agent next summer. So, I mean, you worry about if he has a really nice year. Maybe the Nuggets make a playoff run. Maybe he has a big game or two in the playoffs teams could be like oh jeremy grant maybe i'll use all my caps based on him but the, the nuggets are at least giving off the vibe that they're very confident he'll be here for a while why not extend him right now yeah, what's
2: his bird right situation
4: uh they'll be able to have his bird right so i mean they'll be able to go over the cap to sign him if they want okay um so yeah i mean he, he should be here for a while a- and why not extend him now I mean, you just did the Murray extension. You've got the Malik Beasley extension that I'm sure they'd like to get done this summer. So, My question for you, because
3: if I was in your position, I would have gone with the Nuggets being ranked second overall in the ESPN power rankings as a, a way they won the week now. Mm-hmm. Probably not quite as good as you know, adding an actual player. Are you on board with that? Do you think the Nuggets are the second best team in the NBA right now because of the addition of Jeremy Grant?
4: I think the Clippers are better on paper. Uh, I think the Clippers should be the favorite in the West, but I think Denver is the second-best team in the conference right now, and you can make the argument that they can win the West. I thought they had a legit shot to win the West without Jeremy Grant, to be quite honest, and I I feel like they've been probably the most slept-on team in the league, but now with Jeremy Grant, uh, you can easily make the case that they win the West.
3: Are they getting a bump because of the familiarity? Everyone else
4: is on a new team with new things. for
2: sure. I mean, continuity matters a lot in the NBA, right?
4: Definitely. And, I mean, they got off to that 9-1 and one start last year because of the continuity. Everybody else in the league's learning how to play <laughs> with one another, and the Nuggets just run it back. Like, they don't need that adjustment, period.
0: All right. No arguments against? We all liked what Harrison had to say? <laughs>
2: Counterpoint to, to the power rankings. Power rankings suck.
0: <laughs> know,
3: but but the thing is,
0: They're like, a great summer tool to h- behind, for conversation. they uh, uh, Milwaukee.
3: Anytime you're not impressive. in, like, the top three, you can ignore it. But I think seeing... It, for me, is a combination of seeing that with the Nuggets, and then yesterday the the odds come out from Vegas for the uh, Western Conference, <laughs> and they have the Avs with the second highest odds yeah. in, in all of the Western Conference to win
4: that. I'm like, whoa! I was definitely sudden, surprised to see them at number two. With all sure. the
0: moves the West has made, I was right. also surprised.
2: Yeah. Seeing them behind the Clippers was weird. I wonder or who I, I I always
4: want to know who does the power rankings. Yeah. Like yeah. is it just some intern? <laughs> <laughs> like, do they do
2: they get everybody together like this around a table and they're like ranking the teams and stacking them I up? I need
4: to know the methodology here.
0: All right, well, let's move on to AJ. What is why do you think the Avs won the week?
4: Well, my big winner for the
2: Avs this week would be Jared Bednar because he got a he got a 2-year extension and this was a dude who had a 48-point season in his first year as a as a pro head coach. That would be like the Rockies winning 40 games or the Nuggets winning 5 games or the Broncos going somehow 0 and 17. Like it was impossibly bad. Yep. They were unbelievably bad in his first year and then he leads them to two playoff runs in a row and if he if he works out the 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 length of this this extension, it will ha- he will have been the longest tenured abs coach in in abs history and and that's they've had so much turmoil at that position for so long and their their organization has been uh, so marred by instability for such a long time that now they have a head coach and uh, a general manager that are so in lockstep with what they're trying to build and the organizational philosophy and their identity that they're building something potentially special here and bedner could be here for a long time and that extension really they they gave him a 1 year extension after the playoff run last year and they upped that to 2 years and said oh, now he he's got, got th- he's got 3 <laughs> years left on that deal for me that's that makes him the biggest winner
3: my question is w- uh, now that he has some stability can he give a decent quote once in a while you know he's i i so like how monotone. he i
2: that's the problem is he's he sounds he sounds like a math teacher but He's uh, he's very intelligent. If if you actually listen to him talk about the game and you and he breaks it down, uh, I learn a lot just from talking to the guy regularly, and and his player evaluation and how he values things and like what he what he actually has to say. My my favorite quote from him last year was why he doesn't bag skate teams because he said it just makes himself feel better. And That's not about him. His job is to put the team in a position to win, and. That's that bag skating a team after a bad game doesn't do that. What's that mean? Bags? It's just skating. It's conditioning drills. Up where they just mm. skate up and down the ice. Mm. It's the the scene from Miracle where he says again. Oh, I love that that's movie. it. That's that's all that is. Um, and and he doesn't do that to his team because he says it doesn't serve any purpose other than making himself feel better. It's punitive, and that's not what he's after. He's trying to help his team grow and learn and turn the page on on uh on the game and you can't put that behind you if you're still focusing on yesterday the morning after punishment and right and that's that's not how he coaches that's not he works to build relationships with his players and put them in situations to succeed bag skating a guy doesn't do anything other than he feels better because he gets to watch them be miserable after a bad game the night before um that's just not his personality that's one of my favorite things about him
4: i like what jared bednar is doing with his hair Oh, dude! That I guy, think he his, I his think he looks, is insane. He looks more like a
2: hockey his coach. His suit now. game is very. It's good. it's hard to believe that dude is from Saskatchewan <laughs> with the with the with the suit game that he has going on. It's, it's gotta, so good. It's got to
3: play into the handsome conversation because hmm. no, nothing against Bud Black, but he can't really hold a candle. To uh to Bednar in that hair. No.
0: And Vance er, Vic Fangio can.
3: Vic Fangio is a beautiful man. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I never the made it the Broncos yeah. aren't the such best a looking coach. team in Denver. I'm not gonna. I, I'll fight for a few things. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, put my name yeah. on that. I
2: want to put the Rockies and the ABS in in a same in a same conversation like a photo now next to each other. Because I'd be real surprised if the Rockies are are more handsome. Do than, a GQ than the photo
1: shoot. Some of them start to let their beard game go a little bit, but no, I mean, they, they, they got a GQ lineup in there. And some of the guys you don't necessarily think about as much, too, like Pat Vileka, handsome man, we're handsome dead. man.
2: Well, if we're gonna, if we're going to count isotopes. Yeah, right.
1: Oh, I know. So it's going to help me if AJ continues to make movie references since I'm pretty weak on hockey, so I appreciate that. And and, and in light of <laughs> that, true. I wanted to ask a follow-up question on this. Could we do a quick, because I don't know for hockey, I know much better for the other three sports, like power rank, how important is the head coach, or in my case, the manager uh, to a team? Because a baseball manager, not that important. It can be in certain ways, but individual games, you, you only do so much. The NBA, it's <laughs> a players-run league. I Are know you, in the NFL, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Are you
3: just trying to avoid having to make your case for how the Rockies won the week? <laughs> Drew's <laughs> hoping the <this> segment <laughs> runs out right
1: now. No, oh, I've got such a case. I'm going to blow your Drew Locke case out of the water with how the Rockies won this week. But, I mean, yeah. in the NHL, I honestly don't know how much of an impact. The the majority of a, an NHL head coach's impact is behind the scenes. Okay. It's, Similar to baseball. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like like – setting it's like setting a, a batting order or a you know lineup or whatever um the coach puts the lines out there and then he largely delegates to his assistants uh there's an assistant coach is in charge of uh when the pairings go out and and watching the matchups and keeping track of all that uh the other assistant is the same thing for the forwards the assistants take care of all the special teams so a head coach is i mean he's mostly just the the You know, the guy at the top overseeing all of the – Kind of a
1: coordinator
2: of that Yeah, Yeah. and and in a game uh, not not hugely impactful uh, outside of very, very specific situations.
3: I mean, football is the most – And I don't even know if that's like a good thing. Like
2: running away. It's like football like one through four. And then (laughs) all the other sports, you could have that
4: conversation.
3: Right, like nothing even happens without the coach calling the play. Right. Right. It's every
4: single play, every single – I think, I think thing is dictated by with
2: NHL, it's kind of like the NBA. It's about finding a coach that, that gels with your locker room right. and has a chemistry and understands how to connect with the guys on the team yeah. and sets the identity and kind of the tone from the top. And then everybody sort of follows suit and, and buy-in is the biggest thing for I think probably both our, both the NBA and the NHL.
0: One of my favorite things with the NBA is how the coaches will try try and get ejected to kind of – Light some fire mm-hmm. under their players. You really don't see that in many of the other sports at all.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I don't even think coaches can get ejected in football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never you seen get, that like, happen. Sportsman like penalty. Yeah, you get 15 yards. That'll shut him up. Real Michael quick. Malone is
4: really good at getting ejected, though. I don't know if you guys remember that game in LA against the Lakers where he like tried to take a charge from a referee. <laughs> 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 That's fantastic. He just like jumped what right into it. the path. players
0: love that. I mean, yeah. it just it fires them up. They're like, my coach is behind me. George.
1: Yeah, Con- most never did that it bothered me that george carl was terrible about not getting ejected man and, and now we know a lot of them didn't necessarily have the backs of some of those guys and maybe that was fair but with that team the 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 mellow iverson jr smith you can understand how those could those guys could get under the nerves of a some coach Pretty but big personalities i remember not a good
2: mesh for george carl but george <laughs> carl
1: went an entire season got one one time he got thrown out and one other game he got a technical i'm like dude you gotta stick up for your guys, man. Well,
2: this is this is the most common criticism of Bednar is that something goes wrong with them, he doesn't yell at a ref, he doesn't scream, he mm-hmm. just he pulls his guys over to the bench and he says, "All right, let's refocus." Let's. Um, I would say he's he doesn't use his timeouts enough either, um, because he's afraid of burning them because they're tied to challenges in hockey or they used to be, um, and that's the biggest critis- criticism of him is that he's too calm, the demeanor's too. I mean. Chill.
0: If he wins a game, he has the same tone if they lose a game. To me that's just you want yeah. your coach to be a, a little excited. At I've mean, I'm just there's like, are Jared Bednar
2: on on one side and there's Patrick Waugh on the other side who was a totally loose cannon. Yeah. And the, he lost Wall lost his locker room because of that.
0: It makes sense. You would prefer to have someone who holds back than oh, someone who's who crazy. And
2: Wall just blew up on people. Yeah. Wall was just too emotionally driven and, you know, had had the trust of his star players for a while. But that style, over a couple of years, it grated on him, and they got tired of being screamed at. He literally yeah. had him like – it was like a Pavlovian response where he would uh, – they you could hear it on broadcast. He would whistle for line changes, and it was incredibly annoying. And the players – it drove the players insane. Mm-hmm. And just getting rid of him whistling was a huge step forward for the <laughs> players and trusting wow. their head coach.
4: Yeah, to that point, I think when, when Michael Malone, speaking about the Nuggets, when he took over this team, he was – probably one of the more like emotional coaches in the league and you never knew what you were going to get from him after like a really tough loss and I think one of the best parts about just how he's improved as a coach is he keeps it way more even keel now way more even keel even you know in in some of the worst losses that the Nuggets have had he's not going to go off like he used to I think that's been one of the areas where he's improved I do think that's important in the NBA maybe more so than the NHL. Yeah,
2: you don't see guys get ejected from the bench very often. It happens occasionally, but it's pretty. It's pretty. It takes a guy crossing a serious line. Well, and the
3: NBA has the biggest egos, so right. you can't like if if Michael Malone's trying to like tear down these guys, they're gonna resent him a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Especially than football. Football, it's kind of like. I think it's it's so widespread that you can't have as big of ego in football. You even see like, you know. Uh, Belichick tearing down Brady out there like that wouldn't happen in the NBA no one's going after LeBron on the side yeah
4: because in the NBA it's a lot easier to move on from your coach than your your max contract guy you know it's a lot easier to say goodbye to your coach than your star players
0: all right let's move on to Broncos Ryan why do you think the Broncos will win the week
3: well sorry to do this to you Drew but it's your team's fault that the Broncos are going to win the week Um, thanks to the Rockies deciding to bow out here, (laughs) or at least really, I think like the fan base is really fed up right now, uh, with the way the Rockies are playing and it just lines up so perfectly for the Broncos to just slide in and say, here we are, we're the Broncos training camp starts on Thursday, which already takes a huge wave of attention from the media, of course. But I think the fans right now, if the Rockies had won like six out of seven on this homestand, They'd say, like, oh, well, I'm still hanging with the Rockies a little bit. It's opened the door wide open for the Broncos to just come in and say, give us all the attention. The Rockies are obsolete. Everyone else is doing nothing. Let's go.
4: The Broncos just won the week, according to Ryan, because they did absolutely nothing. Because <laughs> they just right. they, exist. they watched the calendar <laughs> turn from one response. day to the next. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it's kind of like uh, how Drew is saying the Rockies picked up a game in the wild card while sucking. Like the Broncos didn't have to do anything; they just watched the Rockies flounder, and they're like, "Oh, cool. We don't have to share the we don't have to share the attention at all anymore."
1: Well, so I'm not making my case yet, right? <laughs> so I just, uh, how do I n- argue against your case without no, making no, my no. own? No,
0: no, no. You went over your time, just so you know. Just
1: so you know. Whose fault is that? <laughs> Who, who's in charge of keeping time? <laughs> All right,
0: everyone started talking. I couldn't yell. Uh, but anyone want to poke any more holes in Ryan's, Ryan's argument?
2: I mean, it's obviously nonsense. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, what's the... What's not true about it? Show me the lies. What we started at was the winner of the week, and we both picked something that's already happened. (laughs) You're picking something that's happening in the future.
0: But with that, there's so much hope around this Broncos team. Even if they were terrible last year, they still. I'm just saying, (laughs) they still go into it, fans go into like, oh, new coach, new quarterback. There's that hope factor that the Rockies don't have right now. People, else, are, people are real low sure, on the Rockies. I,
2: I mean, the Rockies have destroyed all hope and, and <laughs> joy and baseball soul that, was, that existed in any of us. So, I mean, that's all good and well, but that's not to the Broncos' benefit solely. Uh, I it's lo- not, but they just happen to be the beneficiary of all the attention. They just happen to be the first team to start their training camp right, this year. Right, exactly, so like, yeah.
1: I love that it's episode one of the Denver sports podcast, and Ryan has already twice gone to, well, people care more about football than the other sports. Yeah, we know. Right? That's my card. I'm going to use that every week. People do care more about football.
2: It's, that's the only wedge I have. I got to just keep it's on It's not driving. that people care more about football. It's that more people care about football.
1: Yeah. Oh, well put. Very, Very well put.
0: All right. Well, since Ryan's argument was like, meh, we'll move on to Drew. <laughs> 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 Drew, it, this is a tough one, but why did the Rockies win the week?
1: Right, it's Go. not as tough as you might think. First of all, I already mentioned that they are only two games out of a wild card spot, despite everything that's happened. And they're due. It's baseball. They're due. There's 70 games left to play. But forget I about- we them. weren't allowed to use things that haven't happened Okay. Here. All Drew. right. But Ryan, shut it. Some things that did happen this week: The Colorado Rockies had four guys play in the All-Star game on a nationally televised scale. One of them hit a big home run. Another one had a great at-bat, laced a single. They all showed that they belong. No one's questioning, even though Story and Arenado didn't do much. No one's questioning that they belong in that game. All of those guys belong to be there. Plus, they had the National League Player of the Week in Daniel Murphy, who had eight hits in that series against the Reds. His first two home runs at Coors Field, absolutely coming out. He needs to have a huge finish to the season for the Rockies to get where they need to go. Ryan McMahon has had a huge homestand so far. Again, that's a huge positive sign moving forward. And they still have John Gray despite all of this stuff going on, pitching phenomenally, keeping them in it. So, yeah, normally after a stretch like that, you'd expect a team to seconds. be out of it. But they're not. That's the thing is just because it feels like it. this is baseball stuff turns on a dime. They went on one of their worst stretches of the season around this time a year ago. Looked like they couldn't win. Everyone in the bullpen was pitching terribly at the time. They couldn't buy a hit. And then all of a sudden they went on this run. They were f- fantastic in September, despite the fact that they had seconds. a really difficult schedule they won nine of their last ten got into that postseason they're gonna do it again
0: all right time's up and i agree with you drew because the rockies started off really rocky (laughs) and they picked it up and they became really exciting team for a while
3: you just only get so many of these you can only have so many bad stretches because you can get away with starting three and twelve and then they went and played second best in the national league after that
2: they They haven't even really gotten away with it because they 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 were second best, and it, what did it get them? It got them in the dogfight. Like they're still fighting uphill because of that.
1: Exactly, but they're right. But they're in the dogfight, and as such, you know, they've shown that they can go on those runs with this exact same group of guys.
3: I've realized during this fifty-two minutes and fifty-four seconds <laughs> that I'm going to be the villain of this, and <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it.
4: I think Drew's benefiting from just his sport being the only one that's, like, actually going on right now. The, well, that would have been right, my argument right. if right. I was Drew. How, there's a baseball <laughs> game today. How about yeah. that?
1: The Rockies won the week because all field your fans. Coors Field is a fans. great place to watch a baseball game. That <laughs> right. would have been my Drew's argument. He's like, I actually have content to produce. <laughs>
3: that's, that's that's how I won the week. A, for, for real.
1: Charlie Blackman might hit three home runs tonight, you know, and no one's going to be shocked by it. There's a baseball game.
4: Drew actually just informed me that the baseball All-Star game already happened. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a decent game. Was Mike Trout there?
1: He was there. Oh, good. He's good. I, what does Mike Trout look like? <laughs> a very handsome man. He is. He's a good-looking guy. Yeah. Is,
0: we're talking a lot about looks on this podcast. <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, we want you to let us know who you think won the week. Quick recap. Harrison says the Nuggets won the week because Jeremy Grant was signed. AJ said because Jared Bednar officially Signed his contract extension. Ryan's argument was because the Broncos are starting training camp.
2: They exist.
1: <laughs> they have eyeballs and looked at calendars.
0: And Drew's is there's still hope. Is that that correct? Yeah. I mean, you said a lot of different I, things. I, yeah, I sort of
1: threw everything
3: at that.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> threw everything as much
1: possible. As
3: I, could. I think Drew's argument was the baseball season is really
4: long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything can happen. I mean, Drew's Jew, hmm. argument could, could also be that the Rockies went on this huge run in uh, 2007 at the end of the season. They could do it
1: again. They could. Like,
4: <laughs> they, all they have to do is be like eight games out with 23 games left. It's
1: on the table. Daniel Murphy dancing around, skipping around into home he's plate so after he, he's. so weird. One of the strangest people <laughs> I've ever met in my life. All right. And I mean that in a positive way, mostly.
0: <laughs> all right, guys, we want you guys to help us choose who won the week. I personally think the Nuggets won the week Thank because you. of the impact Jeremy Grant will make immediately for this Nuggets team. But that's all we've got for you today. We are going to be doing these weekly, so be sure to check it out and let us know what you guys think. Thanks, guys, for coming. For Ryan Konigsberg, A.J. Hayfley, Harrison Wind, and Drew Creaseman, I'm Allie Monroy. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try.
4: My favorite
2: thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level.
0: That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations.
2: We have live music at Moe's at our South location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a
3: cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have Colorado beers on
2: tap all the games on the TVs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue